A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. You know, the weather's getting warmer, so I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually... Actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince. But it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie also from Quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking, I'm going to toot my own horn, effortlessly chic, whether it's winter or or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Willkommen to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Kate Spencer. Wow. (laughs) You are really giving this podcast an international flair. I just was like, how can I spice this up up top? Well, you spiced it up. And surprise Dory, who that's you. I'm Dory Shafrir. And we're not experts. We are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. We're also... Auf Deutsch. (laughs) Did you take German? Yeah. Oh, you did? I, yeah. I don't know. I know that's the only, Willkommen's maybe the only German word I know. I mean, I have not retained very much. In high school, you took no, German? No, I took it in grad school. Oh my goodness. Why? Because I was a European history oh, wow. person. I spent two summers in Germany. Did you really? Yeah. So if we go do a live podcast in Germany... It won't all come flooding back to me. But it, <laughs> German is a very difficult language. I know none of it. And I had taken French my whole life. So I was in like a, like I had romance languages kind of in my brain. Mm-hmm. And German is just a whole other kettle of fish. Well, could you like at least navigate me around German food? Tell me what to eat. Probably. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. Okay. A nice verst. 
<laughs> is that a bratwurst? Yeah, like a sausage. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm into this. Or a donor kebab. <laughs> What's that? That also sounds like a sausage. It's a uh, well. It's Turkish. It's a. It's like a. It's like a sandwich. Yeah. A kebab sandwich. I'm excited for this German live podcast that we're gonna do. <laughs> We could do I, yeah, we could do it in Berlin. I have this fantasy podcast tour that I keep in my head where we just travel the world doing this podcast. Let's manifest that. I mean, let's. Let's manifest it for like when your child's a toddler at least. What? What child? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're really yucking it up up top. Hey, everybody. Hey. Welcome to the show. Dory. Yes. It's great to see you. Likewise. Uh, you texted me some baby updates yesterday. I did. That you might want to share with the audience. So I went to the doctor yesterday and when she went to find his heartbeat, she went to find it in the place where she normally finds it. And then she was like, Hmm, it's not there. And then she moved the little Doppler thing up and she was like, Oh, that's where it is. And she was like, the baby hasn't dropped. He's moved up. He was like, wee, the other way I yeah. want to go. <laughs> she was like, he's real comfy in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then she was also like, oh, we, had, we had just been talking about how we're getting, um, we're getting a, like a certified car seat person to install our car seat. Uh, look at you. And she was like, yeah, you probably don't need to <laughs> do it that soon. Um, but uh, yeah, she was like, this baby's not coming early. He snuggled and he found a good crevice. Yeah. He's just real, really burrowed in there. <laughs> And then she said, I won't let you go past 42 weeks, which I was shocked she even was going to let me go that far. Um, she said, yeah, at 41 weeks, we'll, we'll start like if you're still, you know, if, if you haven't gone into labor by 41 weeks, we're going to start discussing, you know, what's going to happen. Um, so, you know, given I, like what I one thing I really like about my doctor is like, she doesn't age shame. Right. Because you... And she's not like, you know, fear-mongery about me being older. Um, so I appreciate that because there are some doctors who will induce you at 39 weeks if you're over like... Definitely over 38 and I think now over 35. Jeez Louise. Yeah. So I appreciate that she's just like letting it happen. Um but yeah, he's in no rush, which, you know, I'm like fine with. Yeah. Like I, you know, it's fine. I, at least we're sort of, we're like set up now. Oh, your nursery looks adorable. Oh, thank it's you. It's so beautiful. I just love it. Thank you your so much. Your whole home, all the work you all have been doing and to get everything set up. It's all set up now. It's all set up now. We have now we have the car seat. We have the stroller. Like we have all his accoutrements. All you need is the baby. All we need is the baby. <laughs> Are you getting to that you're at that point where you're like, I'm done with this? Like, you know, I'm not actually. And I know that people get there and I'm sure I will get there. I'm, I'm not quite there yet. Um, but I am feeling like I'm slowing down. You know, like I just don't have the energy to do a lot of stuff yeah it's it's a lot of work yeah physically it's a lot of work um and like I'm waking up every hour pretty much to pee um so that's just like like you know I'm not getting great sleep Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but like in the grand scheme of things and I know I've said this before like I feel like the 
the second two thirds of my pregnancy have been pretty easy. Sure. And I'm very grateful for that. Um, so I'm just sort of trying to roll with it. Ride that wave. Ride the wave. Um, also, I realized I forgot to mention this on the show, but I feel like I need to tell everyone. I pushed my book deadline. I didn't know this until I saw it in our show notes. Yeah. So, you know, originally we had had a sort of aggressive deadline of August 1st. Okay. Okay. And I think especially in the last month when I'm feeling calmer now, but I was sort of like in a state about getting stuff ready for the baby. Like I, I, recall, just, I, recall. I just didn't have the mental space to think about the book or work on it that much. I worked on it a little bit, but not as much as I probably should have. Um, and I started being like, oh shit, like August 1st is not that far away. Well, especially when your time is going to be occupied with, with a new human. Yeah. And so I asked when we were like going back and forth on the contract, I asked my agent if we could push it. And she was like, what would a like, she asked me like, what do you, what would a good date for you be? And I said, how about December 1st? So you feel good about that. I feel good about that. Good. It's taken like some stress off and I feel like I'll have more time to just kind of like good. really get it to the place that I want to get it to. Can't so, yeah. wait to read it. Well, thanks. If you need anyone to look at early drafts. I mean, always, Kate. God. <laughs> I'm your gal. You are. I mean, I won't be offended if you reach okay, out to Okay, but you know, else. there has to be some, well, no, I shouldn't say that. I was going to say there has to be some reciprocity, but I'm not going to put that on you. But I would like to read what well, you're working on. I'm 30... 3,000 words into a draft of something. Maybe 34,000? That is so many thousands of words. It's a, it's a lot of thousands. I went to a reading recently with mm -hmm. some of my fave romance authors. Mm -hmm. uh, Alicia Rye, I believe is how you pronounce her last name, Sally Thorne, and mm -hmm. Christina Lauren. Uh, and it was very exciting like i got there at the shout out to the ripped bodice the uh an amazing, amazing bookstore. bookstore here in los angeles that focuses on inclusive romance books and other they have other great books they're just fantastic and it was just a really cool it was actually i'm sorry it wasn't a reading it was like an event it was moderated they talked about writing and i've talked about especially a lot a lot of these authors on the podcast but sally thorne's book the hating game i've read like 50 times i just it's like Pride and Prejudice for me. I just like reread it over and over again. Can you give us a brief overview of what it's about? It, it sounds, uh, it's just two, uh, it's two employees at a company who are both vying for the same promotion and, and after their companies have merged and they're both kind of like executive assistants to the two heads of these merged, the, the two organizations that merged and they hate each other but do they really? <laughs> and it's not even the, the premise is adorable, but what's really enticing is just the writing is so quick and catchy and the vo the character's voice is captured so perfectly. It's just lovely. I love it so much. It gives me heart palpitations of love every time I read it. Uh, anyway, I love a workplace romance. You know, I do too. I do. I don't too. like them in real life. They've you know, never... like a workplace romance in real life. No, yeah. you and I have both they've, not, that, that didn't work out for me either. They've ended badly. Yep. Yep. That was, uh, that was a weird one for me as but well. But in fiction, bring oh, it on. Totally. Not real characters. Wait, what I'm was that movie that came out last year on Netflix with Lucy Liu? Oh, 
Oh, with the two assistants. You know what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. And what's his face? Hot guy. Yes. What's his Rent. face? Why hot can't guy. I think of his name? Adina Menzel's ex-husband. Tay Diggs. Thank you. Yes. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. I can't either. Lane, could you Google Lane, that? could you Google <laughs> assistant movie Netflix? Lucy Liu. Zoe Deutsch. What was it? Set it up. Set it up. Yes. A great. A fabulous. Rom-com. rom-com. Yes. Such a good rom-com. Mm-hmm. I hope they make more of those. Oh, me too. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm trying to write. Yeah. It's well, a rom-com. Good. But I will say, listening to these writers talk, um, one, thing, one thing Sally Thorne said was like, you just have to show up. Even yes. if you're miserable, even if you hate what you're writing, you just have to sit and stare at the computer until a word comes out. And it really inspired me to keep going with Yay. this draft that I'm working on that I one day hope to be a thing. Even if it's not a thing that ever sees the light of day, it's a th- I want it to be a thing I complete. That's my only goal with this is to complete. It doesn't have to be a book That's that I sell. Um, but it's been really fun writing it and I've set a hard deadline for myself to get this first draft done and that deadline's coming up what is it well it's in approximately 14 days oh my goodness I'm writing about a thousand words a day wow so if I think if I consistently write about 11 a thousand to 1100 words for the next 14 days I'll hit 50,000 words which is my goal for this first draft oh my gosh amazing and it's there it's coming along it makes no sense everything you know if you've read Anne Lamott's shitty first drafts uh piece which I believe is a chapter on bird by bird a fantastic book on writing and the creative process uh I just kind of keep repeating that in my head like shitty first draft shitty first draft I need to repeat that in my head too it is it just is garbage and that's okay yeah uh at this event at this at this Mm -hmm. author event a person tapped me, <laughs> this lovely person, hello to you, and they said, are you Dory? <laughs> and I was, and I, I was, and my <sighs> response was so dumb. I just go, nope. <laughs> like I could have been like, no, I'm her podcasting partner, Kate. Wait, you just said no? I just was like, no. And I smiled. <laughs> and then the, you know, this was not a good, my social anxiety was, was, <gasps> boiling out uh, um and then the this person was like oh are you kate i was like yes why couldn't <laughs> i have just introduced myself i don't know listener if you're listening sorry i was nervous um but they were very nice and they said hi they were also this event. so look call me dory anytime you want i would if i had pretended to be you what if i had been like yes it's me <laughs> It's me, Dory Shafrir, <laughs> 37 weeks pregnant. I'm wearing it well. Yeah. It's just going in my legs. Well, Dory, shall we take a little pause? Let's take a little break. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage of the French Open begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. You know, the weather's getting warmer, so I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. 
this is what's so great about Quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. Quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from Quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking, I'm going to toot my own horn, effortlessly chic. Whether it's winter or or summer, they've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events. There's weddings, there's nights out, it's vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling superpower short. The superpower short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that thing every day. I do too. Uh, It's my favorite honey love piece. Let me, let me just tell you why. Yeah, get okay, into it. Hey, do you want to tell me why? <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say like, I, I I, don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. Yes, that's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires. And just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, oh God, like get this off of me. <laughs> No, thank once you. you. Once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see also, how it like, could be. Yes. Also, like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, Dory, we talk 
to a lot of really fantastic, intelligent people on this podcast. But I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I'd love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass. But this year I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now, they dissect issues women face in the U.S. and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college. So this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm hearing those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes, Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be redefining feminism with Gloria Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. So, Kate. Yes. We Dory. are discussing a topic that is very dear to I know dear to your heart dear in a way that meaning like it's still a process for me (laughs) it's still a journey um yeah we wanted to talk about setting boundaries because boy it's hard it is hard and I think it's an essential part of self-care yes for sure and boy it's a a free part of (laughs) self-care it costs nothing yes doesn't cost it's not a bottle of serum it's a boundary, a, a boundary of serum. Nope, nope, not making sense. A boundary serum. A boundary serum, right? You you mm-hmm. laid out this boundary serum. Mm-hmm. This is not working. No, nope. but all right. All right, we tried. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, we've actually received a lot of listener questions and comments about boundary and a lot of like, how do I do it? And I think in my personal experience, it is, it takes, it's a muscle you have to condition. Yes. Right? For sure. Um, I imagine there are some people who it comes naturally and instinctively to, but for me, it's been something I've had to really work at and learn how to do in a way that makes me feel comfortable and uh, like honors my needs as a Mm -hmm. people pleaser. Yeah. So how do you do that? Well, for a long time, I did not set boundaries. And And what did that look like? uh, I said... Give us an example. Well, I... Part of my, just who I am is that I'm very afraid of disappointing people. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I don't like to let people down. I'm afraid I'll get in trouble if I disappoint. I, I mean, I don't know. You could psychoanalyze me until the cows come home. I'm not sure why that's who I am, but it is. So for me, I'm disappointed. Oh God, I got to leave. <laughs> <laughs> that is very disappointing to me. <laughs> Dory's joking, everybody. Don't worry. JK, everyone. It's so fun to make fun of other people's anxieties. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it is. You have to laugh at yourself. You do. Because what other options do we You'd have? You'd cry your eyes out if you didn't. It's so true. Anyway, I think that's sorry a- to interrupt. Didn't mean to make light of your That's okay. I actually think I conversation. just quoted banter from Indigo Girls 12,000 Curfews. Oh, you laugh at yourself. You'd cry your eyes out if you did. Is that okay? Wow, we're really all, I'm all over the place today. Anyway, form. I think the the first biggest the first lesson I really had in setting boundaries was when I was a caregiver for my mother, mm. because it was the first time I felt empowered to say no. Meaning, like if someone emailed me to do stuff or you know, I, I just it was the first time I felt like I could say like no. You know what I'm. I have to protect myself. I'm really, I'm in a lot of pain or I'm struggling or whatever. I can't be, you know, I, I just can't say yes to everything. What were people asking you to do? It's not like anybody was, uh, you know, like, Kate, do this chore. But it was more like, you know, I might not respond to an email on time. Right, I might, right, right. You know, this kind of sense of obligation that yes. I've always had. I was able to let go of it or I said no to plans. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't, I was, I was pretty depressed after my mom died and I, or even when she was sick and I didn't feel like going out Yeah, and just being really honest um, because one thing I have done in the past is white lie because I've been afraid of being honest with people. Afraid yeah. they would be mad at me if I was honest. Um, but also I had to learn to set boundaries as my mom's caregiver. So, you know, like for example, my mom was very private. She, she did not have a lot of visitors at the end of her life where I know some people have, you know, everybody in to see them. She just didn't want that. She really wanted quiet. Yeah. And so I had to set boundaries for her. Oh, interesting. And that was very hard. Yeah. Um, but, but that was a, a lesson I really got out of the experience of caregiving for my mother was learning how to like feeling empowered to say no, um, because it was things weren't, weren't right for me. Mm-hmm. Um, or also just like if someone offered to do something or said like, can I do, you know, and saying, saying no to that saying yeah. no to good intentions which can be very hard because you just totally. want to say yes to make everybody totally um so i still struggle with speaking up for myself yeah in that way but it has how does, can i ask how does that manifest as a parent you mean saying no to my kids saying no to your kids or and not even like i don't even necessarily think boundaries is should be equated with saying no. That's a good point. Yeah, it could be um, equated with saying yes. Yeah, like, uh, you know, I, I'm i just curious, like, how how you set boundaries with other parents. Oh, what interesting questions, Dory. Oh, thank you. How do I set boundaries with other parents? Gosh, I don't know. I don't know if I have a good answer to that yet. I mean, I think... What I do try to do is teach my kids, you know, like thoughts about consent Mm -hmm. and physical boundary, like personal space and respect and, you know, uh, that they have the right to say no. I don't know if this is exactly what you're asking, but like I do try to validate my kids' feelings while also saying like, you can totally be angry at me and your feeling of anger is okay but I but this is my decision 
Yeah. I mean, this is not really boundary setting per se, but I think I, I do think giving people permission to feel things, but also to know like where the line is. That's the hard part, right? It's really hard. Yeah. And that's a very hard part about parenting. Um, in terms of with other parents, I just think com- communicating honestly mm-hmm. is the key. Yeah. Um, you know, this is, uh, this is again, maybe not boundary setting, but I, I, um, with other parents, I, I always ask if there's, um, a weapon in the home mm-hmm. and I now also offer that information up to, to anybody coming to my house. Mm. Um, because for me, I'm not comfortable having my kids go to a home where a gun is not properly locked, the yeah. ammunition locked separately, like, and, yeah. and learning how to speak up about that was scary. Yeah, I can imagine. It was really scary. But now one way I've kind of get around it is I'm like, we'd love to have a play date. You know, we can go to your house or you're welcome here. Just so you know, we don't have any guns in the home. Um, we have a dog, you know, I just include it with like the list of things. Yeah. And, and every time I've done that or every time I've asked people have been really receptive and it opens a really great conversation. I think it's really important to know, you know, where your kids are going and what's going on in the home and to establish what's important for you. And if like somebody does have a gun in the home, that's not safely stored, you know, like let's meet at the playground. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Is that a boundary? Yeah, I think that's a boundary. I guess so. So anyway, and um, moms demand action has great tools. Mm. If anybody's, curious about how to have that conversation with other other parents but also like what are your what are people's kids allowed to do versus what your kids are allowed to do yeah yeah there is a lot there's a lot of that oh gosh that's hard you know what is a great show that is i think so good about capturing the struggle to set boundaries is better things dory i haven't watched it oh my god Kate, so Lane sorry. just sighed also. And Lane, I'm with you. Look, there's a lot of shows that I have to watch. I know, but I love you really need to watch this one. I'm giving I'm I, I rarely do this. Kate. Oh, my gosh. OK, but I'm giving you an assignment. Well, then I'm going to give you an assignment, okay. Dory. What is it? Oh, I don't know. Watch Shit's Creek. OK, I tried. That's not fair. <laughs> if I have to watch better things, you have to watch Shit's Creek. <laughs> You have to. Uh, I will watch it. I've I've been meaning to. I just haven't. I just literally, it's It's just just, on the list. It's just so fascinating because Pamela Adlon's character, like she kind of has no boundaries. And the show is about how she, I think the show is, is a lot about how she struggles with that in a lot of her relationships. But then like every so often she, like her boundaries do come out. I don't know. It's really interesting. And it's like, her relationship with her mom is fascinating. Her relationship with her kids is like insane. Like, I don't know. It's so good. Please watch it. I think one thing that's hard about boundaries and I would love to kind of hear what your experiences have been is like the feeling of obligation. Like, Oh, well this person's my, my friend of 20 years or my mom or whatnot. And that can kind of cloud our decision-making when it comes to, setting these relationship boundaries with people and that's really tricky and it's that fine line we were talking about before where it's like when are you setting a boundary and when are you just being an asshole well we've i don't know if this has come up on the podcast but one thing i've talked about with friends is like people who cancel plans because of like self-care yes yes this came up in the facebook group recently actually and like when is that totally understandable and when are you just 
flaking out and using your self you know like what I yeah don't, and i don't know the answer i don't either what has been your experience as a, as a boundary setter well you know when i was thinking about this i was thinking that i feel like I have sometimes historically been like too good at setting boundaries. And what I mean by that is like, sometimes I think I put up walls. Interesting. And then that ends up shutting people out too quickly. Are you protecting yourself? I think so. And I've actually tried to like let some of my boundaries down. Ooh, okay. How have you Mm -hmm. done that? What have been the steps you've taken? Just kind of like trying not to have so many like hard and fast rules about things. Is it kind of like you dismiss the possibility of a relationship with somebody, whether it's, you know, friendship or romantic or whatever. Um, uh, like if they don't meet certain, I think that's part of it. Yeah. I think that's part of it. And I think it's also like how I interact with them and what I will like tolerate, you know, where do you think this stem? Is this how you've always been your whole life? I think so. You know, it's like, because when I was really thinking about this, I was like, huh. But I think lately, like in the last few years, I've tried to kind of like modify that and be more open and be more forgiving of people. I think part of the problem with having like hard and fast boundaries is that when someone violates the boundary, it's it's easy to be like, Oh, I'm done with this person. Right. Like you're out. You're out. You violated my boundary. And like sometimes you do need to say that depending on what the boundary is. Um, But other times it's like, well, maybe you don't, you know. So I'm I'm like, I feel like that's a process for me. Are you thinking about any steps as a parent that you might be taking? Yeah, I mean... It's funny, like I feel like one of my one of my pre-birth boundaries has been I've been really obsessed with the safe sleep stuff. And that is like a boundary that I'm not willing to cross right now. Um or I think, you know, I say right now, but I mean like that's not a boundary I'm willing to cross. Me, like anyone who is caring who for your child. Anyone takes care of my child has to abide by these rules. And like, I didn't buy a rock and play. I didn't buy a swing. I didn't buy a dock-a-tot. I didn't buy any of these things that are actually not safe for people to sleep, for babies to sleep in, that people put their babies to sleep in all the time. Um, I'm not bed sharing. Like, I'm not, I'm just not going to do that stuff like that is a boundary I've set and I've talked about it on my other I've talked about it more on my other podcasts and gotten some like really interesting pushback about it um but like that's just where I'm at like that's what I'm gonna do you know Mm -hmm. um so that is a boundary that like if you violate that boundary then we're done but there are other types of boundaries that like are probably probably should be more malleable Totally. And that's also the safety and well-being of your child. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I get that. Have you ever cut a toxic friend out of your life? Oh, yeah. I've talked about this on the podcast yeah. before. But I, every time I've, I've, there have been two toxic friends that I've like fully cut out of my life. And with both of them, I actually feel like I gave, like, it took a lot for me to fully cut them out of my life. Like, I feel like they did they had to do a lot of things um and then it finally got to a point where it was like okay i can't like i can't do this anymore 
Um, so, and that, and, you know, I think that was the, both of those were examples of like, I didn't know that that was my boundary. You know what I mean? I didn't know that that was my limit when they pushed me to it. And then you hit it. And, and then I hit it and I was like, I cannot be friends with this person anymore. Um, whereas sometimes like you just know you have things, you know, mm-hmm. you know, the one time that that really happened, I really kind of feel sad about how I handled it. I didn't handle it well. Mm. I wasn't honest with what was going on because I was scared of the confrontation. And I think now if I were in that same situation, I would have had an honest discussion with the person about it and tried to try to come to some sort of resolution, whether it meant our friendship ending or, or not. But I, I regret how I handled it. Also, it was the best. It what Regardless, it was the best thing for my mental health to yeah. end that relationship. But um, I don't like how I did it. I was very young. I was like 22. Okay. Um, so that can be very, very Like that's a really challenging thing to do and understanding what the terms of a, a boundaries of a friendship. Yeah. And especially are. about uh, the boundaries of a friendship that end abruptly because of like one thing, not just like right, a right. gradual fade out because you just have like moved in different directions. Right. Right. You know, I don't know. To be continued, I think. Oh, definitely. We've and got- I actually think our guest today is like very, she has some interesting thoughts on this topic too. Oh, yes. So, all right, we're going to take a quick break and then we are going to get to our wonderful guest. Our guest today is Jen Sincero. Jen, welcome to Forever 35. Thanks for having me. We're so excited you're here. Before we get started, I would like to read a quick bio to tell everybody who you are, as if they don't already know. Jen Sincero is a best-selling author, success coach, and a motivational speaker who spent more than a decade traveling the world, helping people transform their lives and their bank accounts via her public appearances, private sessions, coaching seminars, and books, including the New York Times bestseller, You Are a Badass, How to Stop Doubting Your Greatness and Start Living an Awesome Life. And her latest book, How to Be a Badass Every Day, is available now. So can I ask you to just give us a little bit about your background for listeners who might be hearing your name for the first time? And maybe you could also just tell us what inspired you to actually put pen to paper and write about your own badassery. Well, I felt like... um you know, I, I'm a writer first and foremost, long before coaching and long before any of this. So when I was desperate to get my act together, I read every self-help book under the sun and they were all awesome and so helpful. But I was like, where's the curse words? Where's the stories? Where's the irreverence? So in the back of my mind, I was like, ah, I can't wait to write my own book about this stuff because I really felt like a new voice could be used in that genre. And also I was so snarky about it and so holier than thou. And so just like this stuff is so woo woo and stupid that I wanted to write a book for people who felt the same way and sort of make it a little more palatable by putting curse words in it. <laughs> curse words make everything way more right? digestible. Totally. Absolutely. And where were you in the space when you were reading self-help books? What was going on in your life that um, you know showed you that you needed them? Well, thank you for asking. I was living in a garage. I was driving a car with no grill. I was so broke. I was in my 40s. I I was really subscribing to the belief that um, I had a lifetime of proof that I couldn't make money. You know, can't make money as a freelance writer. You can't, you know, the economy sucks. 
And I just honestly got really sick of it. First of all, it's really boring being broke. And secondly, I was I was like, really, Jen, you're in your 40s and this is the best you can do with your only one and only life on planet Earth. So uh, I, I just, it was kind of like an aha moment. I just woke up and was like, okay, I am done and I'm doing whatever it takes. And, wow. it, and it worked. I know. And so the fact that it worked, I truly felt like if my broke ass can do this, I can totally... <laughs> Anybody can do it. You know, I really believe that because I was strongly mired in my money story. And um, yeah, so I really believe that I and, and I wanted to share it because I was just like, look, this is a miracle. You guys can do it, too. Well, you've written a whole book about unapologetically like wanting and earning wealth. And I, I was curious, why do you think so many people, especially women, feel kind of uncomfortable expressing their desire to make and have money? Because money is the most loaded topic on planet Earth. I wrote a sex book many, many years ago. And I can tell you, sex doesn't hold a candle to money as far as freaking people out and shame and thou shalt not. And um, it's amazing, you know, and, and writing that book was so interesting and so much fun because it nobody really thinks about it. Like we all in our conscious minds are like, hell yeah, I'd love to make a ton of money. But, you know, deep down, we think rich people are pigs. We equate the desire for wealth with greed. Um, we've got all this nasty, nasty stuff around it. And um, until you shift that focus and start looking at all the wonderful things that money does for us every day, you're probably not going to let yourself make much of it. Do you feel financially comfortable now? Or is that something that is hard to kind of access for you? Nope. I mean, it's not hard to access. Yeah. I feel great. Great. That's yeah. awesome. That's because that seems yes. like a, a lot of times our insecurities about money that often are born as children yeah. linger. Even no matter if, how much money we yeah. have. No, I, I know. And so that's that's why I'm so excited to tell people to go shout it on the mountain because it was my biggest story and I got over it. And um, yeah, so it's possible to change. You, you can teach an old dog new tricks, people. What is the biggest tip you give readers about wealth or money? Get clear on what your shit is around it. Whether you think, you know, that rich people are evil, whether you think you'll be judged if you make money, whether you think you really can't do it. You know, I had this weird subconscious belief that people who made money were almost another species. Like I'd see somebody with a private jet and I'd be like, that doesn't even enter into my scope of reality. Not that I even really wanted a private jet, but it just was like, what, that's like an alien creature to me, somebody who has that kind of money. Mm -hmm. um, so I really put myself in a different camp of the, of the can't haves um, without realizing it. So get clear on what your issues are because then you can start facing them and questioning them and rewriting them. Jen, can we talk a little bit about going to the spiritual gym? Yes, we can. Cause I love this. <laughs> Very important. <laughs> I love this phrase and I love the things you list as, you know, what an actual spiritual workout is. And so I would love to just have you you know, tell our listeners about what that looks like, what it looks like for you personally. And then also like, how can we actually make these spiritual <laughs> workouts a regular practice and not like something we do once a month? 
Right. Yeah. Well, I call it the spiritual gym because it's very much like the physical gym where if you want to be strong and in shape, you have to constantly work out. You just can't half-ass it and you can't get in shape and stop, you know? So this really is what You Are a Badass Every Day is all about. It's sort of a your personal trainer, if you will. Um, and, you know, the spiritual gym includes meditating, reading self-help books, having a mastermind partner, hiring a coach, listening to music that pumps you up, um, exercising, you know, what is it that makes you feel like you're invincible and making that a daily practice? And I mean, it can be 10 minutes. And I honestly think that is the key to keep going is don't make it a two hour thing that you're like, oh man, I gotta go do it. On top of all the things I gotta do, this is another mm -hmm. one. So keep it doable, keep it small, but you've gotta do it every day. That is the key. What is a mastermind partner? A mastermind partner is somebody who you meet with weekly or whatever you decide who keeps you. It's an accountability partner mm. and somebody who's, you know, who's who's hopefully in a better shape than you, but who at least is. It can't be one of your sad sack friends who whines and complains. <laughs> it's got to be somebody who's investing money in their growth, who's investing time in their growth, who's really doing the work. And you guys keep each other accountable. You bounce ideas off each other. You really support each other. It's really, really helpful. So we get a lot of emails from listeners about struggles with perfectionism, um, fear of failure. And I, I there was a a quote in your new book where you just said on page 59, start seeing your low points and temporary failures as starting points, which I thought was so helpful, even just for me for reframing my own narrative about failure. Um, what do you tell people who are looking for help accepting and embracing failure in their own lives? First of all, you tried, you got in the game. So that's a hell of a lot more than most people can say who bitch and moan about changing their lives. And also now you have some information getting in the game. Cause the thing is when you decide to create something new, you don't know what that new space is like yet. Cause you haven't done it yet. So you, you can mull it around in your brain forever, but you honestly don't really know cause you've never been there. So when you get in the game and fail, then you have information and you know it worked and you know it didn't work. And then you can take a new, more informed step. It's everything. It really, it is so, so important. I need to try that, Tori. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've been reading, you know, I've been reading through your book and, and it's like, oh God, I've, there's so much shit I got to do. And it doesn't feel overwhelming, but it's like, come on, Kate, like get it. You know, I want, I'm curious if that's how you were feeling when you, before you set out to write this, when you changed your life. Sounds like your aha moment shifted everything. It did because while I did have a lot of stuff to do, I was hell bent to change it. So I, and this I stress a lot too, is focus on the end result. I was so sick and tired of the old life, but so lit up by the new one. Like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to prove to myself that I can create whatever kind of life I damn well please. And so I was so turned on by that idea that I, I was all about it. So, you know, all the stuff that I had to do, I was like, bring it on, bring what it did, because I will do it. What did that life look like? What, what kind of life were you envisioning at the time? Very, very bloodshot. Oh, what? Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, um, you know, I think for me, first of all, definitely getting out of credit card debt. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I wanted to feel like I, you know, I wanted to feel like I could create what I, it was more of an excitement about being a creator instead of a settler for what I could get. 
You know what I mean? Like it was more about this feeling of empowerment that I was really turned on by. So that was just a feeling that I had. But also like I really needed a new car. And I put that story about buying my Audi and you badass. And it's saying, you know, for whatever it's worth, I love to drive. I'd never had a new car, let alone a new luxury car. And that symbolized for me, like, all right, this is the symbol of me getting my act together financially is I'm going to get that damn car and I'm going to pay it off real fast. And I did. And so it was just about this constant being like, what is exciting to me? And that's what I'm going for. I'm not going for what I think I can get. Did Oh, sorry, go oh, ahead, I was just going to ask, did your relationships with your friends and family change as you totally kind of evolved they, into a badass? Yeah. I mean, believe they, first of all, a lot of my close friends were on cult watch. They're like, oh my God, she's reading all oh, these. Wow. Okay. Oh yeah. They were all just like, what seminar are you going to right. in Las Vegas? Like, <laughs> who are you? No, I was, I was very, I was, you know, a punk rocker. I was really cool. I was very, it was very important to me, those things. But then what became more important to me was, was not being a broke ass sucker. So I was like, okay, I am not cool at all. I have a name tag on. I'm in Las Vegas at like a millionaire mind seminar. Like you could not shoot and drag me to one of those before then, but I was on a mission. So I, um, I, you know, I would love to say I didn't care what anybody thought of me. I did. And it was embarrassing. And I did lose friends over it, too. But more importantly to me was this, I'm really serious as a heart attack about this. And that's what I'm going to focus on. And if you can't hang with that, see you later. So, Jen, I have a friend, my friend Ashley, who, who actually turned me on to your book a couple of years ago and swears by all your books. But I think you are a badass and particularly really changed her life. Um I asked her if she had any questions for you, and I thought she brought up a good one, and that is this. Um, is there any advice you have or guidance for getting back on the horse? So let's say you've been, like, rocking out your badassery, and then all of a sudden it, you, you have a, a misstep or a fall, or you go back into, like, a depressive episode or whatever it is. Um, how do you handle it when you struggle with getting back to something that you know is good for you and you know helps you, but it just still feels so hard to start again? Well, I think it's important to honor those feelings. And really, I think having the temper tantrum and the pity party and all that is really important because we are emotional creatures. And, you know, this whole thing about think positive thoughts. And I'm a big believer in positive thoughts, but you don't have to do them all the time. Stuff sucks. Things fail. You know, pain happens. So let that happen. And then when you get back on the horse, um, go to the spiritual gym, surround yourself with the people who inspire you, um, do things that make you feel good, place your focus on success instead of all the reasons why not. Like, I remember when I started doing this stuff, I was like, come on, what's the real, there's gotta be something really hard and mysterious and it isn't. And that's why we're always screaming and yelling in the self-help world about like, watch your thoughts, beliefs, and words, you know, surround yourself with people. That's it guys. Because your mindset completely dictates the actions that you take. So if you are being a ninja about watching your thoughts, beliefs, and words, instead of whining and complaining about, I I fucked it up, I'm never going to succeed at this, it's hard, I'm tired, blah, blah. And instead, you focus your thoughts, beliefs, and words on the excitement about it and the, and the can, you know, that you can do it and, and the specifics of what it's going to look like, your actions will be very different depending on what you're doing. So what do your, what, are your own self-care practices? What does it look like when you when you take care of yourself on a day-to-day basis? 
Um, being outside. I love walking around in nature, especially with my dog. Um, being with the people I love, laughing a lot is a big part of it for me. Um, I love taking a nap. I'm actually um, renovating my house and I'm making it so that if you have to take an emergency nap at any time, that is available to you because all of my couches have chaise lounges on them. And- oh my God. <laughs> Wait a second. Wait a second. Yeah. That is a it. dream. Yeah. It's a dream, right? This is what 50 looks like. These are my goals as now that I'm over 50. I'm like, even if you're in the yard, I have a queen size bed that is a chaise yes. lounge outside. <laughs> Wait, that, that is, is goals. That is right? true luxury. Yes. yes. Thank you. I'm really into it. We, you know, we actually, we had a listener reach out to us recently who asked us, you know, she was 41 and she hadn't had that like aha moment when you turn 40 and like you stop caring what other people think and you are suddenly super comfortable in your own skin. Did you have that moment for yourself and, and, and what did it, did it take and did it align with the writing of your first book? Oh, your no. first badass book, rather. No, I mean, honestly, 50 was glorious. I mm. and and I'm not going to pretend that I don't care at all now that I've reached the almighty 50. But um, I think age, you know what? It's exhausting giving a crap what everybody thinks. And I just think you get my father said he's Italian, he has a really thick accent. He's like, I don't know if you get older and wiser or older and just more tired. And I'm like, <laughs> exactly. Like, I don't have the energy, people like it's. It's a finite thing, and I'm going to spend it on picking out a really good couch instead of worrying about what you think about my my nap couch. <laughs> nap couches. Nap couches right? all over the house and in the backyard. I know. I'm just like yeah. envisioning. <sighs> yeah. Envisioning nap It's a party couches. over here. It is a party. <laughs> but that's fun. It's fun that you've worked in just the ability to rest yeah. into mm-hmm. all the features of your home because that's so often like where we one spot we kind of neglect like it's like if we want to accomplish all these things we have to do it on four hours of sleep Mm -hmm. right yeah this emphasis on like productivity yeah what a yeah and and you know I'm not gonna lie when I I write my books under extreme pressure and I wait until the last minute and I crank them out in a month and I don't sleep and the nap couch is not being utilized but my balance is I'm a sprint runner so I kick some serious butt and then I go backpacking for a month and don't bring a phone or a computer or anything. And mm. that's how I balance. So I know, I know myself pretty well at this point. Wow. That sounds, what is that experience like backpacking? Did you say alone for a month with no phone? Hell, no, 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 okay, okay. no. I have a terrible sense of direction, so I don't even take a walk alone. <laughs> <laughs> but you go out into nature, you leave the oh, phone, yeah. leave the computer and just kind of resettle your brain. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Yeah, it's my favorite thing. I'm coming to you. I'm going on a hike. <laughs> yeah. I'm going on the nap couch when I'm <laughs> right. <laughs> it's pretty Seriously. damn good. <laughs> um, Jen, where do you kind of see the next phase of you are a badass going? Is there another area you want to explore with this? Is there something that you're uh, currently exploring? As far as the badass brand goes, I've got a bunch of ideas. I mean, I really I just published your badass every day a couple months ago. Yeah. I just finished it. So I'm sort of giving it some air. Um, And believe me, it's like an armadillo in your gut. Like when a book decides it needs to be written, you're like, fine, I'll write you. (laughs) So I'm waiting for the armadillo to wake up. And in the meantime, I'm actually writing some straight ahead comedy. I'm doing, um, I'm collaborating with some of my dearest, dearest friends who are also writers and we are having a hoot of a time. That sounds awesome. Oh, that sounds great. Um, In 
in You Are a Badass, you basically in every chapter with the tip of love yourself. And it becomes this like very poignant and clear message the further you keep reading. Is this, in your opinion, like the key to all success? And and my second question on this is why the hell is it so freaking hard to love yourself? I don't know. Um, well, yeah, I think that's at the basis of everything because if you don't love yourself, if you don't believe you deserve what you desire, if you think you should be ashamed of what you desire or who you are or whatever, that colors every single thing you do, right? So I think everything stems from that place of, you know, people are always like, what is a badass? Like, what's your definition? And I say it's somebody who gives themselves permission to be, do, and have whatever they desire. And that permission piece is enormous because after being a coach for over 10 years, I really feel like my main job was just being like, you're allowed, go do it. And so the love yourself piece is huge because that is the thing that really stands in our way the most is that we don't deserve to have a voice. We don't deserve to be big. We don't deserve to, to be who we are, you know? And so, and why is it so hard I don't know. We live in a fear-based society and we just learn how to not love our little bunny rabbit selves. It's really a shame. But we can do it. So it's not that big a shame. Like you can absolutely do it. But <laughs> There we go. Yeah, sorry. No, Took no. A little dip there. Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> but it's the truth. It's the truth. It is really it is really hard and and it's like uh, you know, it's kind of like the whole the constant journey is coming back to just truly loving yourself. It's a struggle. Yeah. It well, is and and that's why the spiritual gym is so important. So oh, yeah, I know the gym. You can't, can't, can't get away from the gym, ladies. No, no. We're going to work out every day on our spiritual selves. Who are you are when you go to your own spiritual gym? What are you picking up these days? Oh, uh, gosh. Well, honestly, I am obsessed with home renovation. So it's a lot of design books and websites um, because that's really what I get to do now because I'm done with my book. I'm off tour and that's what I'm doing. But I also, in the world of self-helpery, um, I love the writing of Byron Katie and Louise Hay and Deepak Chopra, all the old school people. I love listening to Abraham Hicks. I think that woman, Esther Hicks, is a genius. Oh, yeah. um, I actually list at the bottom of my web. If you go to jensincero.com, at the bottom, there's a resource tab where I just list off all the books that really helped me back in the day. Um yeah. Awesome. Well, we'll go there and then we'll go watch some HGTV. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jen, this has been so wonderful to get to talk to you. Thank yeah, you so much for treat. taking the time. Oh, likewise. Thank you so much. This is great. And enjoy your nap today. Hope you get one. I can't wait. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jen. Take Thanks. care. Okay. Bye. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid forties, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad. They're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering crappiness, Dory. Mm, Okay. Which is visible on my (sighs) neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, OneSkin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like crappiness. 
And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel, I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, Mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their Mm -hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here Mm -hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving, that sun is coming at us at all times. One Skin believes the purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. Witness history at Roland Garros where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage of the French Open begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. So, Kate, how did finding your footing go? It's still a work in progress. Okay. I mean, you didn't solve it all in one week. (laughs) Shocking, right? (laughs) I have found I've had a harder time like going to bed. I just let myself stay up later. Mm. Not to bring up Schitt's Creek again, but like I definitely please. This is actually becoming a Schitt's Creek podcast. Oh my God. Does do you think one exists? Kate, I don't know. Okay. Because if not. You're the super fan. If not, I'm going to start one. Okay. I mean, maybe in my spare time. <laughs> anyway, the point being, I definitely stayed up till 1 a.m. watching the latest episode the other night. Like it, oh, wow. it like dropped onto my iTunes at 12.20 in the morning. I, I like literally waited. So, you know, I'm not doing the best job like getting into bed, but I am doing a little bit like, for example, I bought like six peppers from the store and then I chopped them all up, put them into a big thing so that like for dinner or snack or whatever... I just like open this box of peppers and hand it to my kids or if I'm doing their lunch prep, like I'm trying to do little shortcuts like that. So I'm getting there. I do my, I have make sure my coffee is on a timer so it clicks on in the morning. So I'm doing little tiny things just to make life a wee bit easier. And I'm also like just being nice to myself and like if our house is a mess or if we are late on something, you know, if we don't have the book ready for the library when the day it's due, like, all right. Yeah. No sweat. It's fine. Anyway, tell me about packing your hospital bag. Well, I've started packing it. Ooh, ooh. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I did text my friend who recently had a baby, and I was like, I have a really dumb question, but when people talk about packing their hospital bag... <laughs> I love where this is going. What do they mean exactly? Like, did you pull out 
your biggest travel suitcase? Right. Like, is it a suit? Is it a suitcase on spinner wheels? Is it a backpack? Is it a tote bag? Mine was a tote. Is bag. it a garbage bag? Like, what is it? I mean, it's whatever you want. Honestly, I'm I mean, sure... that's kind of what she said. She yeah. said she and her husband brought three backpacks. Like they were okay. trekking. Yeah. I was like, all right. So I actually have this big old. Um, remember Mary Mecco for Target? Remember yes. when they did that? Yes. I have a big tote bag that I usually bring to the beach. Perfect. And I was like, okay, this can be my foundational bag. I feel, I, I don't know why, but I, there's something that feels weird to me about like rolling into Cedars with a suitcase. I had the same <laughs> thought. But again, like but again, Kim Kardashian gave birth to. Also, like, like who anything. cares? I know, who cares? Um, can I, I also, I liked also like bringing my, if you have a breastfeeding pillow or if you're planning on breastfeeding. Oh, that's a good idea. Um, yeah. Bring, bringing that. I have a my breast friend. Yeah. Like bring some of your accoutrement, bring your own pillow. Yeah. Bring an extra yeah. blanket. You know, yeah. also like yeah. a friend whose name rhymes with mate menser could also come mm. to your house and grab stuff and bring it over for you and your husband. It's not ringing a bell. <laughs> okay. Their name rhymes with date denser. Oh, it's me. Okay. It's me. All right. Cool. That was it. The D. Okay. Yeah. But like, you I know, so you and your husband have to be, well, you would be there, but you know, we can help, help oh, both of you. Thank you. I appreciate stuff like, You have that. a million friends who want to do stuff like that for you. We've oh, got you. Thanks. We're going to hold you up. Oh, and then you'll have to set boundaries when we don't leave your hospital room. Someone called into our other podcast and pointed out that because we live in Los Angeles and we drive everywhere, like you can overpack and leave stuff in the car. Oh, that's a great idea. And I was like, oh my God, of course. <laughs> like, I hadn't thought about that. I know, I hadn't thought about that. I definitely took a taxi to my first child. Right, because so. you lived in New York. Yeah. So that is not an option there. But here I was like, oh yeah, I, great can, idea. I can bring whatever I want. You can bring that giant. <laughs> I have an SUV. Yeah, pack it up. <laughs> Put your whole bed in there. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. um, what are you working on this week? Well, I had a thought yesterday, and this okay. circles back to like an old intention you had, uh-huh. which was old road rage. Oh, I road have it rage. bad. I'm a real jerk when I drive. I don't know if I believe you. Well, you but, were okay. driving behind me yesterday. Yeah. And I was like purposely trying to be a good driver so you wouldn't see what a monster <gasps> I am on the road. I was like, well, Dory can, is, look, can see me, so I've got to be a better driver. So you didn't roll down your window and give someone the finger? <laughs> I do do Gratuitously. That. I do. <laughs> I, Just I, drive like this. <laughs> Dory is miming, sticking your... Just driving Giving people the finger. Sticking out the window. I, I do a lot of yelling. I do a lot of swearing. I do give people the finger a lot. I do... I honk sometimes like if someone is just also I do get really aggravated because here in Los Angeles and maybe this is how it is across the world people are sitting on their freaking phones oh, instead of driving totally if you are stopped at a light and you look to your left and your right everybody's on their everyone's phones, on their phone and that's dangerous mm-hmm. and illegal if you're holding it so and you can get a very expensive ticket for you it. can so I get ink so I do honk like we're at a light and it turns green and the person in front of me doesn't move for five seconds I lay on the horn I in those situations, I give a little tap on the horn just to like, I don't do like, hey. that's, I don't do like a f- 10 second okay. honk. Yeah. I, I, that was, I don't like elbow it, but I, I just get very frustrated very easily. And, and sometimes it's justified, but most of the time it's not. Mm. And I would love to learn how to just like maintain my calm because there's nothing you can do about it. May I recommend the classical music station KUSC? You can, and I'm going to have to try it out. And I think you have satellite radio, right? Yes. So I've got, there's, there's a classical station I've got on access there. to all sorts of tunes. Yeah. 
So that's what that's kind of what came up for me this week. How I about have, you? I have road rage too. Um, I like I haven't gotten it completely in check, and I find that I have more road rage when someone is driving what I've defined as an obnoxious car. Oh well, yes, because they, and they often and they are. drive obnoxiously. Yes. Like I'm like fuck you. And here in we should say here in California. The cars on the road are kind of bonkers. Like I never oh, totally. had seen a Maserati in my life. I was just thinking. A Maserati? A Maserati? <laughs> yes. And you see them all over here. Yeah. Like in the most ridiculous places. So yeah. uh, it's a little wacky here on the road. But also, you know, I find, and then I'll stop talking about this, but I'm part of my road rage is my anger at people who are driving unsafely and the possibility that they could hurt my kids. Yes. That and makes that is me legit. furious. But then my it scares my kid like then my kids will be like, what was that? Was that person being a bad driver? And like and then I'm like making them critical. I, I don't know. Well, I gotta I, just one thing chill. that I have tried to stop doing and I've not totally succeeded, but I've tried is giving people the finger because I am nervous about what they are capable of. Totally. That someone could actually hurt you. Totally. And I, I've also had moments where people have given me the finger and I was just making an honest mistake or like got flustered. Right. And then I, it hurts my feelings. So yeah. I do. Or like I was just having a bad day. Yeah. So I, I do try to be conscious of the fact that like who knows what kind of stuff people in other right. cars are dealing right. with. You know, like sometimes we do make honest, stupid mistakes while driving. But I think like I would rather get upset at like with my like be like, oh fuck you dude but like say it to myself right and not and instead of you know honking the horn really loudly or giving someone the finger you know what i mean just like well and also being in a car it's like akin to leaving an internet comment because you're like protected in a bubble like i would never walk up to somebody and give them the finger and start screaming at them but i definitely do it from the safety of my car yes and as you said that's not you could someone could commit some sort of oh yeah violent act against you so anyway <laughs> gonna work on that okay Ooh, that was you. a lot that was a lot but no i'm, I'm with just, you it's a big issue yeah i was really like crazy in my car yesterday and i gotta chill out how about you well kate we are sitting in my home right now very clean very fresh well <laughs> that's kind of you to say but <laughs> i think it is as i look behind me there there's there's piles and and there have been piles that have become permanent fixtures. I know those like, piles. Like there's such permanent fixtures that I almost don't even see them uh, anymore. Dory, I know them. I have them too. Because they're just a part of the landscape. Permanent piles. Permanent piles. And I would like to tackle some of the permanent piles this week. I, we did have a moment where we were recording at your house maybe last week. And I think Sammy was here and they like accidentally okay. like poked a hole, like touched something. And then it, it turned out it was like an, a vintage amp. Yeah from 1960 that was just like in a corner yeah so there's a lot of like uh, i can see this happens in my house too where it's like some things that are important are piled on top yes. of like school art totally stacks of stuff yeah so i'd like to start tackling the piles because i think like once the baby comes it's like all bets are off and no piles will be tackled <laughs> so i feel like an episode dedicated solely to pile pile work could be interesting sure i'm down put it on the list okay me you lane, lane? <laughs> oh boy okay i can't wait you're i will say though like i ha, as a person who is in your home a lot over the past year yes you and your husband have made like incredible organizational oh, changes you. and it looks fantastic and you've done a thank lot of work you. from like first your office to now turning that into a nursery thank you i appreciate so that so don't forget to 
recognize how far just you've come. Give myself a pat on the old back. Well, this has just been a delight. <laughs> it has been. How do we say goodbye in German? Auf Wiedersehen. Well, let's do that. We're going to Ed Wiedersehen you. Um, Auf Wiedersehen. As Wieder, I can't. It's I okay. I apologize to all German-speaking listeners. <laughs> um, you know, we have a voicemail. You can always call us at 781-591-0390. And our email is forever35podcast at gmail.com. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash forever35podcast. And the password is serums. And if you like this little show please leave us a review on apple Podcasts. tell a friend or mention us on social media and a reminder that everything we mention on the show is always on our website forever35podcast.com and you can follow us on instagram at forever35podcast and on twitter at forever35pod forever35 is hosted and produced by dory shafrier and kate spencer and produced and edited by sammy Junio. and lane hammer is our assistant bye everyone bye as veter's dane nope oh god